Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sharon Stevens. Now to our discussion about the Missouri Historical Society's upcoming special exhibit that explores the lives of famed aviators Anne and Charles Lindbergh. Their relationship began when they met in Mexico City, Mexico in 1929. Then-President Emilio Portes Gil gifted the couple the 9-by-12-foot Flores Mexicanas masterpiece by renowned Mexican artist Alfredo Ramos Martinez as a wedding gift. Extravagant, right? St. Louisans will also get a chance to admire the painting as part of the Missouri Historical Society's upcoming Flores Mexicanas, a Lindbergh Love Story exhibit on view June 1st through September 2nd. This and other featured gifts will illustrate the couple's celebrity status as ambassadors for aviation and America. Joining me in studio today to expand on their story and what patrons can expect upon visiting the exhibit is public historian and the exhibit's content lead, Adam Kloppy. Adam, welcome to our program. Thanks for having me. Let's start off with the Lindberghs uh, themselves. They were mm -hmm. husband and wife, but uh, they were also aviators um, who worked together. Why was Mexico so special for them? Right. So Mexico was really, really important for their relationship because they met there actually in 1927. Uh, you know, Lindbergh, he had completed his historic flight in May of 1927, the first person to, to cross the Atlantic Ocean uh, solo nonstop. And after that, he sort of takes on this role as an unofficial ambassador for the United States. And at that period in time, the United States and Mexico didn't have the greatest relationship. Uh, and the U.S. ambassador to Mexico was really working to try to improve that relationship. The ambassador's name was Dwight Morrow. So he invited Charles Lindbergh to come to Mexico on this goodwill tour that, that Lindbergh was going to make of Central and South America. Mm -hmm. And so Lindbergh goes to Mexico uh, around Christmas time in 1927. He flies directly to Mexico City from Washington, D.C. There's a big reception for him there in Mexico City. And so it's a really significant trip, obviously, uh, just in terms of sort of international relations. But for Lindbergh personally and for his wife, Anne Morrow, that's the place where they met. She was there celebrating Christmas with her family and met Charles Lindbergh while he was there on the trip. He was staying with them at the embassy. She writes about that meeting in, in the diary. At first she was, you know, she wasn't sure she wanted Charles Lindbergh, this huge international celebrity, crashing their family Christmas party, you know. Uh, but after a few days, she warms to him and keeps thinking about him, and he keeps thinking about her, and they start dating, and eventually they get engaged, and they get married. And so Mexico is this incredibly important place for them because that's where they met. Now, Monday is... Memorial Day, mm -hmm. uh, and also a special day for the Lindberghs. Why? Yeah, well, their wedding anniversary is May 27th. They were married on May 27th of 1929 uh, in a uh, sort of a private ceremony at her parents' house. Uh, you know, you expect this sort of, you know, Charles Lindbergh was one of the most famous people in the world in 1929. You'd think they'd have this huge extravagant wedding and all the newspapers were speculating once the engagement was announced, where is the wedding going to be and who are going to be the important guests and who's going to be there and what will they be wearing? You know, it got a little tabloidy. The red carpet. <laughs> right, exactly. And, uh, you know, Charles Lindbergh was a pretty private person. He didn't really want that kind of attention. Uh, and Morrow really didn't relish it either. So they got married in a sort of a private secret ceremony 
at, at her parents' house. They uh, sent out some invitations to some friends saying, oh, we're going to have a birthday party for Anne Morrow's mother. And all these guests show up, and it turns out they're going to the wedding of Charles Lindbergh and Anne Morrow. And then they try to sneak out and get, get on their honeymoon. So, yeah, that's a, that's a big day in, in terms of the history of their relationship. Now, this painting, uh, Flores Mexicanas, uh, how did it get to the History Museum? That's, actually, that's a really great question because, you know, it's, it's not something you expect to find in the collections of the Missouri Historical Society, mm-hmm. right? This, this massive, beautiful painting by Alfredo Ramos Martinez, the guy who a lot of people refer to as the father of Mexican modernism. Why would we have that? Um, and the answer is that it, the painting was given to Anne and Charles as a wedding present by the president of Mexico in 1929, uh, President Gill. Uh, he, like many dignitaries around the world, wanted to uh, give the Limburgs a wedding present. Uh, and he bought this painting from uh, Alfredo Ramos Martinez and gave it to them. And like many of their other wedding gifts, it ended up in the collections of the Missouri Historical Society. That's where Charles Lindbergh sent all the medals and awards that he won for his famous flight, where Anne sent the medals and awards she won as an aviator, uh, and where they sent a whole host of their wedding gifts and gifts that they got when they went on important flights and things like that. So we have a lot of that kind of stuff in our collection. Um, So that's how that painting came to be here in St. Louis. Now, this is a huge painting, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, and uh, I'm wondering, why was it in storage for so long? Why didn't you all bring it out earlier? <laughs> Were you waiting for a special day or something? You know, there, there's a, a couple reasons for that. I mean, one, it is so big and so massive. It, it's hard to get out of storage. Uh, you know, it, it takes it takes a whole team of people to move that thing and make sure it's, it's moved carefully and everything like that. We also wanted to make sure that the painting was in the best possible condition before we get it out. Uh, you know, getting things out of storage and putting them on display, it ends up putting uh, a little bit of taxation on the objects and things like that that we get out. You know, they're exposed to a little bit more light, people walking around, things like that. So we wanted to make sure that the painting was properly conserved before we did that. You Um, weren't hiding it. We we weren't trying (laughs) to hide it, no. And it needed, you know, it was in good shape, but it needs some cleaning. The frame needed some work. And through uh, sort of some, uh, some funding from Bank of America, very graciously, we were able to get this painting conserved and get it out for everybody again. We're all really excited about Um, The painting was a gift, as you have said. Mm -hmm. How influential was the artist Alfredo Ramos Martinez, and what makes this painting so special? Right. Uh, So like I mentioned, you know, Alfredo Ramos Martinez is a guy who a lot of people consider, you know, the father of Mexican modernism. He's this incredibly important uh, artist in Mexican history. Uh, Why? Well, he he went to go study uh, actually in Paris in the early 20th century. Uh, There's a fun Missouri connection there, too. He was working as an artist in Mexico in the late 1890s, and Phoebe Hurst, who was from St. Clair, Missouri, was at a state dinner in Mexico City where uh, Alfredo Ramos Martinez had designed these placemats. And she was so taken with them, she insisted on meeting the artist. And then she was so impressed with the artist that she sponsored him to go study in Europe. So using that backing from Phoebe Hurst, Alfredo Ramos Martinez goes and studies in Paris for about 10 years. And then when he returns to Mexico in 1910, uh, he gets involved with the sort of National Art Academy there. And uh, he ends up running that school and implementing a plein air policy where artists are supposed to go out into, you know, nature and into the streets and paint things that they see, get artists out of the studio and out working amongst the people. And he's really the first guy in Mexico to make a big push towards those things. And then uh, after 
uh, several years of running that. In 1929, 1930, he actually moves to Los Angeles. Uh, his daughter had some health issues, and he moved there to, to help her get the proper medical, medical care that she needed. But while he was working in Los Angeles, he started doing a lot of, you know, big murals, and he started doing these beautiful pieces where he would paint on newspapers and things like that. And he became sort of a modernist darling of the, uh, the Hollywood art scene at that time. So he's this really influential painter in, in terms of, you know, the history of art in Mexico and particularly modernism in Mexico. Okay, we've got a uh, <clears throat> a um, copy mm-hmm. of the uh, painting. Let, let me rephrase that. <laughs> 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 we have something uh, that you could do on a, you know, copying machine, right, not, yeah. not the painting yeah. itself or anything <laughs> that's anywhere near 9 by 12. Um, can you describe it to us? And, uh, you know, just paint a, you know, uh, audio picture for us and tell us why it's so special. Yeah, I'll do the best I can. I don't I don't know that I can do it justice. So it's this massive painting and it shows these four women uh, in the Mexican countryside. You can see this sort of Mexican countryside behind them, the mountains and things like this. And these four women are supposed to represent uh, four different types of women in Mexican culture around the time that uh, Alfredo Ramos Martinez was painting that. You have the American woman, the Spanish woman, the mestizo woman, and the indigenous woman. Um, and they're all wearing these sort of elegant dresses, and they're surrounded by these all kinds of beautiful flowers, all sorts of different flowers, and they're, they're pink and they're white, and they're really beautiful, and they pop. Um, and so, you know, that's sort of the thing that gives the painting its name, these flores mexicanas. And you can't actually see it in this painting, but... Uh, there's up in the corner, up in the right, far right-hand corner of the painting, there's a column of flowers. And when we were doing conservation work on this painting, we took an x-ray of it. Just to, We x-rayed the painting and the frame before we took anything apart frame-wise to make sure it was okay. And when we were doing that, what we discovered is there's actually a fifth figure of a woman hidden under that column of flowers. Uh, at some point, we don't know exactly what happened, if Alfredo Ramos Martinez changed his mind and he only wanted four women, or if he decided, oh, compositionally, I want to move that woman to a different part of the painting or something. But there is a fifth figure hidden in there, even though you can't see her anymore. So there's new secrets to discover in these things all the time. You know, just because a, a work of art is done doesn't mean that there's there isn't new things to discover about it. Just because it's done doesn't mean it's done. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, this must have been fun for you, uh, getting all of this uh, together and starting your um promotion of of the exhibit yeah you know this is uh this is a really this was a really fun one to work on uh for many reasons you know getting out the painting for the first time in in decades to be able to show it to people uh being able to share some of these treasures of the Lindbergh collection you know along with this we're getting out a few other gifts that Lindbergh got for uh his wedding and awards that that he and Anne won and stuff like that but another treat was working with um students from University of Missouri St. Louis from UMSL uh in their museum studies program they uh, they did a lot of great work on this project to help us put this together and actually sort of, you know, design the way that the story would be told for it. They, they, they came up with really, you know, the best artifacts that we had that would be able to be on display. And, you know, they, they wrote drafts of all the labels and everything like that. So that was a big thrill for us at the History Museum to, to be able to uh, work with those students and, and to put together what's a really fantastic show. So. 
Please tell us what some of those other artifacts are. Sure. Uh, so one of my favorite ones is a globe that uh, Anne and Charles Lindbergh got as a wedding present from the Ryan Air Corporation, the, the company that built the Spirit of St. Louis. They got Charles Lindbergh this, this wonderful, ornate floor globe, you know, with the, the legs and everything. Um, but over the next several years, Anne and Charles actually marked out on that globe where they took their flights between 1929 and 1935. So there's all these lines sort of crisscrossing the globe, tracing all these different places that they went. So it's this really incredible object that tells a story of not just how important they were, that people wanted to give them these gifts from all over the world, but to see some of the places that they went together. And, you know, in some of the early days of aviation, in some of these places they were going, they were the first people to fly over them, you know, up in near the North Pole and stuff like that. So they, you know, they took these incredibly important trips and it's really, it's something to be able to see that. Another one that's a favorite of mine is actually an award. Um, uh, it's called a Hubbard Medal. And mm -hmm. Charles Lindbergh received a Hubbard Medal in 1927. The Hubbard Medal is given out by the National Geographic Society for, you know, uh, sort of excellence in research and discovery and things like that. So he's given this in 1927 for his trip, his solo nonstop trip uh, across the Atlantic Ocean. And then uh, in the 1930s, Anne actually receives her own Hubbard Medal uh, from them for flying over 40,000 miles. She was one of the first women to get a radio operator's license. You know, she was Charles Lindbergh's co-pilot. Co so she's one of, they don't give this award out to anybody, just everybody. They don't even give it out every year. I think there's only been, you know, 40 some out of these given out since the National Geographic Society started giving them out in the early 20th century. And she has one. She was the first woman to win one, too. So it's this really neat moment that this really neat award that acknowledges Anne as this incredibly important person in the history of aviation and sort of breaking glass ceilings for women uh, in this field that really had been dominated by men until she came along. So I, I, I really like that object. I think it's really cool. You, when you were talking about the globe and how they tracked some of their mm -hmm. uh, flights, um, you know, that might be considered, you know, messing it up. But <laughs> in fact, it adds value to it, doesn't it, it? It really, really does. You know, if it was just if it was just a globe without any of those lines drawn on it, that that was a, that could be a globe owned by anybody, you know. But seeing those those flight paths on it makes it Charles and, and Anne's globe. And it, and it draws you into it, you know. You know that this was an object that they had sitting in their home that they were interacting with, that they were thinking about. Uh, you know, I know whenever I go on a trip with my wife and we talk about, oh, we got to go home and put the, the pin in the map to mark where we went, you know, that's something we're talking about while we're there. Charles and Anne might have been talking about that globe while they're flying over the Arctic or something. You know, it, it's, it really connects you to those objects in a, in a really personal way. Um, do people have to, is this a timed event? Do they have to uh, uh, sign up or reserve in any way, shape, or form? No, uh, the exhibit is open during the operating hours of the Missouri Historical Society. So most days that's 10 to 5. We're open late on Tuesday evenings. And it's open from uh, June 1st through uh, September 2nd, excuse me. So, you know, you, you have a few months to get in and see it, and there's no entry fee or anything like that. It's it's free to come in and take a, take a look and be able to see this incredible painting and witness some of that history for yourself. And what can you tell us um, about this painting in relationship to the museum? Yeah, you know, for us, this is as far as I know, the largest painting that we have in our collection. So it's a really significant work of art for us. And one of the things that I think we're really excited about in this show is that we're able to talk about that conservation process. You know, uh, 
all of our objects need to receive some kind of conservation at, at some point or another, right? Um, and that's really specialized work. I don't do it, so I, I can't, you know, they don't let me do that kind of thing, thankfully. Uh, but, you know, it's really specialized work that takes a lot of training and a lot of scientific knowledge and a lot of historical knowledge to, to make these things sort of, you know, keep their relevance, to make them so that they're going to last for generations to come. And we thought, you know, with the, the money that we got from Bank of America in order to, to conserve this painting, what a great opportunity to tell that story about the work, the actual work that goes in to making paintings like this accessible to the public. Um, and so that's a big part of the story that we're telling in the exhibit and something that we're all really excited about uh, sharing with the public. Very good. Speaking of the public, we have a caller. Sure. Uh, this is Lindsay from St. Louis, and uh, she has a question for you. Hi, Lindsay. Go ahead. Hi. Um, I just wanted to thank your um, guest and the St. Louis Historical Society. Uh, I appreciate their work, but I wanted to share that I will not be bringing my family to this exhibit. Um, I was troubled by two things. First of all, that um, they've chosen to kind of frame the story of this painting through a white American couple's lens, as opposed to delving deeper into the its artist who deserves appreciation in his own right. And that's especially because of Lindbergh's well-known anti-Semitism and support of Nazism. Okay, I'm going to just stop you right there just for a second, Lindsay, to get your response. Yeah, sure. So uh, there's a couple of things here. One, I do want to say, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about Lindbergh today, but there, there is an entire section of this exhibit that is about the life and the work of Alfredo Ramos Martinez. And, and uh, we have interactives in the exhibit that talk about the history of uh, you know, the political situation in Mexico and the sort of uh, interaction between the United States and Mexico between around the time of the start of the revolution in about 1910 to about when Dwight Morrow leaves in 1930. So we do want to try to contextualize a lot of this by using Mexican history and the history of Alfredo Ramos Martinez while also telling the story of, of Lindbergh a little bit. Do you uh, touch on the some of the points that uh, yes. Lindsay brought up? Um, and as far as, you know, Lindbergh's you know, sort of the more controversial aspects of, of his character. Uh, you know, there's some historical disagreement as to whether he was an anti-Semite or not. Um, and I don't really want to what him wade into that. But what I will say is that I think anytime we talk about Lindbergh, it is necessary for us to talk about that controversy that surrounds his character. And it's not something that we shy away from in this exhibit. So... Thank you very, very much. I want to thank Adam Klompke of the Missouri Historical Society for joining us today. The Flores Mexicanas, a Lindbergh love story exhibit, is free and set to open June 1st and continue through September 2nd. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.